Hello, welcome back to the Des Does Sports Podcast. I'm Des, and I'm very excited. Uh, we have a good podcast today. We have some stuff to talk about, actually six different topics, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, first, I think I want to apologize for anybody who had to watch that Sunday Night Football game, though. Yeesh. Uh, if you guys didn't watch it, you're <laughs> consider yourself lucky. It was really bad. Just another normal hobo battle in the east garbage area that's a quote i stole from my friend joe if you're listening joe i said it on the show that was just for you i'm not talking about that game though it's that game was so oof it was hard to watch anyways we're gonna get right into it because we've got lots of sports and i'm des and that's what i do i do sports so let's go do sports i like how the intro never gets better every week it's always bad let's start let's get right into it i want to talk first my first game we're going to get into was the Steelers playing the Ravens in Baltimore. This game, I had the pleasure to watch. My immediate thoughts about this game was that this game was the sloppiest game that I've watched in years. Years. I can't even think back to a game that was as sloppy as this. This game started off with a 33-yard interception return for a touchdown, and... If you thought that was where the sloppiness was going to stop, oh, 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 you're sorely mistaken. There were fumbles. There were interceptions. Turnovers galore in this game. Let's put it that way. Ben Roethlisberger didn't have any picks. So you might be thinking, oh, well, he played pretty good. Well, yeah. Yeah, he did. His rating was good, his, his passer rating. But he only had 182 yards on... 21 out of 32 passing. Stats don't necessarily tell the story. They got the win, so it's not like he needed more than 182 and two passing touchdowns, but he did have a couple fumbles, but he didn't lose any, so that's good. James Conner didn't lose any fumbles either, so they didn't lose any in the rushing game, but Chase Claypool did lose a fumble. That was kind of a big one. Set up the Baltimore Ravens in scoring position. Right outside the red zone, I believe. Like, 40, 30 yard line. It set them up for a score. And in a game like this, especially a game where right out of the gate, Baltimore did not start the way they wanted to, giving them life at that point, that was just a really bad fumble. It really was. And it was a catch and it was a fumble for sure. It's just really bad mistake there. Baltimore made more mistakes at the end of the day, though. They made a ton of mistakes. And I don't know if whoever's watching this if you're a fan of power rankings then you probably saw baltimore fall but in my opinion baltimore if they're gonna play this way against good opponents this seemed much alike how they played against the chiefs except the defense didn't take the entire game off but the offense sure didn't play any better lamar jackson had two interceptions one return for a touchdown as we as we started off this analysis with he also lost two fumbles during this game it's four turnovers for one person. Not to mention... Oh, no, sorry. That was the only person who turned the ball over on the offense. It was... Maybe I should re- rephrase this. It wasn't the offense that played horribly. It was Lamar Jackson. You can't hurt your team like that. Two turnovers, whether that's an interception and a fumble, or two picks, two fumbles. You gotta stop the bleeding at some point. And, and he never did. Lamar Jackson... I was watching this game thinking, like, okay, Lamar Jackson's going to start taking over this game. He's starting to use his feet. He's really not running all that much, but they have a chance. That was that was what I was thinking. Is Despite everything that has gone wrong, despite Lamar Jackson throwing two picks and fumbling the ball a couple times, they still have a chance to win this game. And that's a huge thing that you can say after, oh, uh, the other team turned the ball over once on a fumble off a wide receiver and I've turned the ball over by myself four times and I still have a chance to win this game at the end absolutely insane insane but it was really unfortunate that towards the end of the game my faith in Lamar Jackson dwindled very fast and I'm not talking just the last drive the last drive was something in its own right they got the ball back they went they marched down the field until about like the 30 yard line when they only had time for one play left and the that last play just i don't think the defender got there early or anything there was no pass interference 
in my mind. I think that was a great defense. I, my thought was, why throw it there? Because it's just it's kind of like a go route for the for the tight end. And the tight end runs right up to the goal line and then turns around and jumps for the ball. It's just there's nothing there. There's nothing that the defense really needs to read. He's just running to the end zone and he's going to go catch it. So just hit him when when he gets to the end zone. Of course, you don't want to commit a penalty, so don't hit him early before the ball gets there. But it's a 30-yard heave desperation into the end zone. It's it's almost like it's more it's more embarrassing to not defend against that correctly and to let them score than it is for the offense to not be able to score in that situation. And I'm realizing now that this is really just making fun of the of the Falcons for their loss against Detroit because Detroit had nearly the exact same situation <laughs> as, as the Ravens did. But, of course, Atlanta is not the team the Steelers are. The Steelers have an amazing defense. They have a pretty good offense. And there you go. They were able to shut off the game, shut down the game, I want to say. And in general, they were the better team. I, as a fan... I'm not a fan of either of these teams. I'm going to put... This is what I'm trying to say. I'm not a fan of either of these teams. I don't really care who won. I was kind of rooting for Baltimore to come through and re-cement themselves atop of this league. And now we have a really fun battle between the Steelers and the Ravens. Both have a loss, but the Ravens have first place because they have the tiebreaker between the two of them. At least for now, until they meet again, because this is a divisional matchup. And... I thought that would be really cool. They would re-cement themselves as one of the top teams in the league, knocking off the last unbeaten. But this whole game just showed me that the Ravens crack under immense pressure, and especially when they're playing teams they know, or at least that they think are better than them. And I, I really hope I'm wrong here, but I really feel like when the Ravens play a team that they don't think is better than them, they're able to outscore them, outpace them, even in a close, sloppy game like the game they kind of had against Washington, I mean, it was just easy for them to outpace. They were going to score enough points even though they didn't have their best offensive day. But when they're playing a team like the Chiefs that they know, and, and even uh, Lamar Jackson said like the Chiefs are like their, their crux. They can't get past the Chiefs for whatever reason. It's like that final boss that you keep dying on. And I thought that was a horrible comment. Uh, I thought you just did you just can't say that. Like, oh, the Chiefs are just like the people we can't get through. They're, they're the one the one team we can't play. Well, they're also the best team in the league, so maybe don't say that. Because now not only did you get embarrassed, but instead of just saying, Look, we were in our heads, we had a bad game, it's not the game we wanted to play, and the whole night long we weren't able to get in rhythm. It was just a really unfortunate time to have a bad game and we'll be looking for him come playoff time you know we're gonna get back to being the team we know we are at heart we're gonna play to our strengths instead of letting the other team dictate the pace of the game like they did tonight and then you know they come out and say that comment and then we have a game like this which i think really shows that they didn't learn anything from that time against against uh the Ste- uh, sorry the chiefs because this was another game where the steelers we're coming in, and I think that maybe from the first few drives really set the tone when the Steelers were up 14-7 to in, like, a blink of an eye. And ever since then, the defense kind of clamped down and made it hard on the offense, and I feel like it was just a series of shutting down, of trying to do too much, not playing smart, just losing the way that they want to play the game. And it happened again. It's not lightning striking twice, it's it's a team with this tendency, a young team that doesn't have a lot of veteran guys in important enough positions to calm the team down. Why is it so important to have Aaron Rodgers on the Packers when they're down one score at the end of the game? Why is it so important to have a quarterback like Tom Brady, even on a young, inexperienced Buccaneers team, albeit they have a lot of stars, but Brady and Gronk are the main people who have gone to a Super Bowl and won one. A lot of those other people have never barely even made the postseason, let alone go there. So why? It's because they're experienced. These people know adversity. They know, hell, Tom Brady came back from 25 points down the Super Bowl to win. He knows that the game is not over after throwing a pick six. It sure sucks. 
and you want to get that momentum back. But he knows you just got to go one drive at a time, one play at a time. And even when Brady wasn't having his greatest game, we'll get into that later in the show, somehow he's able to find the way to a victory, right? And that's what good quarterbacks do. And unfortunately, and I know it's unfair to compare Lamar Jackson to these types of quarterbacks, he just doesn't have that level yet. And when he plays against someone like Ben Roethlisberger, it comes out. It shows. Ben Roethlisberger didn't have a single turnover. And in large part, that's probably why the Steelers won. They didn't make as many more as many mistakes as the Ravens did. The only thing that kept the Ravens in the game was that their defense kept the Steelers from capitalizing on every single one of those mistakes. So it was a closer game. But in no way did the Ravens play all that well, especially not Lamar Jackson. The rushing game didn't do crazy well. Nobody's rushing game really did. Well, I, I'm going to take that back. Their rushing game as a whole, yes, it did well. J.K. Dobbins had over 100 yards. Gus Edwards had 87. Lamar Jackson at 65. A lot of rushing yards there. But what what I'm trying to say is it was they were not controlling the line of scrimmage enough for this game to have been easy. If they were really dominating in the rushing game that much, they would have stopped Lamar from passing more. And it would have saved maybe the second interception. And maybe it was because they were trying to run more that he fumbled twice. We'll never know. But in my mind, this team is not ready yet. This is not their year. They're not making a Super Bowl run, if you're going to ask me. The Steelers, they might be making a Super Bowl run. They look good. They, they respond well to adversity. They held on to a nail-biter in Tennessee that should have gone to overtime but didn't. But still, good for that team to at least hold on and not completely fall apart, even though they almost did. And then in a, in a game like this against the Ravens, a game, uh, divisional game, important playoff ramifications, it was so sloppy. I really wanted them to be better on their side of the ball, especially the offensive side. Defense played really well. Can't, can't, can't write the defense down for just about anything. But, man, the Steelers' offense just was not as lethal as they usually are. No receiver got over 70 yards receiving. That kind of sucks. But a couple of them did get some touchdowns. It's just, I, I wanted more from the Steelers' offense and didn't get it. And I think that's because the defense of the Ravens played pretty well. But in general, I think that's the one thing that's going to hold Pittsburgh back. If they're playing a team like KC, where Kansas City is, has been getting better on defense, and now they're at the point where they are a really dominant team when they're all playing well, then they're going to have a lot of trouble. Because that offense of KC is going to put up points. And sometimes it feels like there's no way to stop them. And I know that the defense of the Steelers is going to give them a hard time because they're a good defense. But offenses are going to score a few points. I mean, even against a, a good offense in the Ravens, after forcing four turnovers, the Ravens were still able to score 24 points and only lost that game by four. So the defense, sure, they kept them down. And thank God they did because they would have lost the game if they didn't keep them down. But on, against a team like the Chiefs, I just don't know that they can win that game. The offense is playing, albeit a little bit of a worse defense in KC than what's in Baltimore, but not too far worse. That defense in KC is pretty good. They've got some good tone setters uh, like Tyron Matthew in, in, the, uh, in the secondary. They're, they're not going to be a pushover. You're really going to have to dominate them in the running game and then make their secondary look in the backfield, lose that second you know, in hesitation, and then beat them through the air there. It's going to be hard to beat them just straight up. All right, we're going to pass on you. Come at us. So I think Pittsburgh's a fun team to watch throughout this. Let's see if they get better. This could have been a bad game on offense for them. Always can be. But I think in general, it was a quality win for the Steelers. It's one of those wins where you say, you know what? Wasn't pretty, but anything for the W. And I think those teams are the ones that win in the postseason. So it's looking good for the Steelers. Um, for the Ravens, I think this is uh, this is an important growth year for Lamar Jackson. I don't think there's any chance they're going to be able to make any sort of run, even after adding Des Bryant to their receiving core. I just don't see them making a run uh, meaningful that enough to get past teams like the Chiefs or the Steelers or even the Titans. And the Titans didn't even play well this week. But I still think the Titans are a pretty com uh, complete team. Every complete team, you know, they have their bad games. And I'm not getting into that. They, they got destroyed by... Uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Very, very big surprise. But not really a game that has any playoff ramifications all that much. Maybe because the Colts are still in first, first place in that division. 
other than that, there's not a ton of playoff ramifications. I think if the whoever wins that division, the second place team is going to be a wild card. So getting into the playoffs, anyways, doesn't really matter. You just need to get into the playoffs. Any team can make a run. Wild cards can win Super Bowls. It's not that important. The only important thing is if you get the bye. That's the only important thing about the playoffs. Otherwise, it doesn't matter because everybody else plays week one anyways. All right, we're moving on. Uh, after that game, I want to talk about another game, obviously. Let's get my notepad out. It's going to be, yeah, I want to go on to the Packers next. So the Packers played the Vikings, and this game was a very big surprise. I was kind of looking at the score thinking, oh, okay, well, the Packers will turn it on in the second half. They've only scored 14 points at halftime. I was kind of thinking, yeah, this is about this is about the time when all their opponents get outpaced. The Packers, they pull out those those big shot plays that get them big chunks of yardage. They pull out those nice touch passes on the sideline. Their running back Aaron Jones finds a huge hole and rips off a 50 plus yard run for a touchdown that just puts the game out of reach. That's what I was thinking. That's usually what happens. That's what I think usually happens. But today, in a game where Green Bay had, not today, on Sunday, in a, where, in a game where Green Bay had four more first downs than the other team, they were better on third down. They had one more third down conversion than the other team. Percentage-wise, they were worse, though, because they had more third downs. They had more total yards in the game, and they had more time of possession. Somehow lost to the other team. Which is nuts. You, that's that's big to have more first downs, more third down conversions, more total yards, and more time of possession, and to still lose that game. It's kind of nuts. And it was a big loss too. Not necessarily to like a playoff contender, but it was a big loss because the Minnesota Vikings beat them, which is a big divisional opponent. More what this did is it left the door open for the Bears to take sole possession of first place. The Bears didn't do that, but how how would the Packers know that? This, this was kind of a bigger game for them, and I honestly think this game was a look-ahead game. The next game they have coming up is against the, uh, the 49ers, and the 49ers, they are, oh man, I feel bad. Their entire team is on the disabled list, or I shouldn't say disabled list. They injured reserve. Jimmy G, out indefinitely. George Kittle, out for eight more weeks. So basically the whole season. And I don't think they're making it to the postseason without those two. I, I don't know how good Jimmy G is. I think C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins can can fill in and win most of their games. But it's going to get to the point where, I don't know, the Niners are going to have a really hard time moving the ball. They're, and almost their entire team is injured in some capacity. And they just traded away a linebacker, I believe, to the Saints, Quan Alexander. They got a linebacker back. I think they got Kiko Alonso. But still, I mean, it's it's a very odd season for the Niners. Unfortunate, after going to a Super Bowl, your next season is injury-ridden. They can get it right, right the ship. Next year might be their best year because right now they're 4-4, four and four, they're 500. Just don't see him being able to make a, a good wild card run, and especially not the way the Seahawks are playing. They're not winning their division. This division is is it is the toughest division in sports, in my opinion. When you got Seattle playing the way they are, and you've got Arizona, probably the best improved team since last year, and then you've got the Rams, who are surprising everybody by actually not playing like garbage, except for the last game. The, the game they played in Miami was really bad. But they they had been playing really good up until then. And and then you put on the Niners in that same division. It's like, man, that's rough. What a division of death. But let me get back to the task at hand. We're talking about the Packers and the Vikings and how this was a look-ahead game. I definitely think they were surprised in the Vikings. Especially they had no plan for Dalvin Cook, it seemed. Dalvin Cook scored all four of the Viking touchdowns. For one reason or another, it's probably not that important. Kirk Cousins did have one touchdown pass to Dalvin Cook. It was kind of like a, I don't want to say a check down, it was just a pass to the middle to Dalvin Cook, and he made a couple people miss and basically outsped people to the end zone. It was good good uh, yak for Dalvin Cook, good yards after the catch, but 
In general, I'm more disappointed with Green Bay than I'm proud of Minnesota. Minnesota should have been the team that could have contested with the Packers from the beginning, but alas, they're sitting at 2-5 and five and they're out of the playoff race. It's I don't even know what to say what the problems are in Minnesota because I'm not even sure. I honestly don't think their coach has it all together sometimes. He made a he made another couple weird decisions. Not not super weird. He was just trying to waste the clock, but I felt like he should have tried to be going for first downs more than just wasting the clock in that game because they almost lost. The Packers did have the ball late with no timeouts and a few seconds left from about the 50, and we all know what Aaron Rodgers does to divisional opponents on big, big uh, Hail Mary bombs. He did it to Detroit, I think, twice, where they, they walked off against Detroit in a game they should have lost because of the magic. However, they could not do it this time. He got strip-sacked, and the Vikings won the game, and the Packers dropped to 5-2. and two. All, It's not really going to have any big ramifications in my mind. I think the Packers are fine, but I think it's more interesting what they did the trade deadline, which was today, uh, November 3rd at 4 p.m. Eastern. Nothing happened. There's no analysis. That's why it's not a segment here. Nothing happened. A couple of trades went through, whatever. Quan Alexander went. That was before the deadline, though. Uh, today, Isaiah Ford went from Miami to New England. Wow, thrilling trade deadline. But what was more telling was that the Packers didn't try to trade for any weapons. And I think the one thing that I think about when I think, you know, why are the Packers beatable? It's just Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback, and they have a great rushing game. But behind Devontae Adams, I'm really wondering who's going to step up in this offense because nobody has yet, and they look really bad for it. I can talk about stats all day. I don't know how much stats really matter because just because one player got a lot of yardage, it could be more of a scheme thing rather than, a oh, they're an actual standout player. I think Robert Tanyan is definitely his number one choice when he goes to tight end. Jace Sternberger is also a good choice, but it, his number one is always Tanyan. So Tanyan led with receiving yards. You know, big surprise. Devontae Adams had the three touchdowns. Big surprise. He goes to his best receiver in the red zone. That makes sense. But it's just... Who does he got? As far as wide receivers, he's thrown to Marquez Val... Uh, Marquise Valdez-Scantling? What is his first name? He's throwing to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, which hasn't really made a name for himself yet. He's been in the league for, I think, two years. He's throwing to St. Brown. I don't even know who that is. I'm so sorry. Malik Taylor. These are his, these are his wide receivers he's throwing to. D. Shepard. Who is this guy? Darius Shepard. I wonder if he has any relation to Sterling Shepard. But either way, he's, he's the less well-known Shepard. So... It's interesting they didn't add a wide receiver. They were targeting Will Fuller, but they never traded for Will Fuller from the Houston Texans because Houston Texans wanted too much in return. And so the upper management said, we're not selling everything to get a wide receiver. We're going to handicap ourselves because it, it just it's too, it's too steep an asking price. And in my opinion, I'm thinking, okay, basically what you're choosing is do I think I can win a Super Bowl with this squad? My my blunt answer, I don't think they can. I don't think they can beat teams like the Buccaneers. I don't think they can beat teams like even the Saints. I don't think they can beat teams like the Chiefs or the the Steelers without a very potent offense. And they've got a great running back, but great running backs are just not as valuable nowadays as they used to be. They're really awesome to have when you really need somebody to get a few yards, and they're awesome when they produce. But running backs are a product of your offensive line. If your offensive line isn't good, then your running game is going to struggle no matter who you have back there. It's not as important as it used to be to have a good running back. At this point, you can do what the Rams are doing with Cam Akers and DJ Henderson and be totally fine. I don't think their running game is really all that bad. <laughs> it's certainly not what lost them the game in Miami. Uh, so at this point, I really feel like who's your best player? is what, what the Green Bay Packers need to ask themselves. Who is our best player? Just doesn't matter. Either side of the ball, who's our best player? That answer is Aaron Rodgers. I think without a doubt it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. Nobody in the right mind is going to look at this team's roster and say, our best player is Mason Crosby. <laughs> Certainly not a kicker. But 
I, I, I jest. I'll go. I'll digress though. They're gonna choose Iron Rogers. And so, you take your best player and you want to put him in the best situation to succeed. Whether that best player is a running back or, in the case of the New York Giants, I think their best player is absolutely their running back whose name escapes me at the moment, Saquon Barkley. That's him. And so I think a lot of their offense was built around getting him in the best position to succeed because he is their best player. And now that he's gone, it took them a few weeks to figure out how to scheme for their next good player. I don't even know if good fits the bill here. Their next star position player. I don't even know if he's a star yet. Daniel Jones. They're, they're, they're now scheming for Daniel Jones. I think the Packers need to start scheming for Aaron Rodgers because the moves they're making just seem weird. It almost seems like, sure, they're going to be competitive with this new coach, this new fancy coach, and they still have Aaron Rodgers kind of on the, the twinkling side of his prime. And they're still going to be good. They're still going to be a force to be reckoned with. They'll win their division to satisfy the fan base. But they're not going to do anything in the playoffs. They're basically going to be the same team they've been ever since they won the first Super Bowl back in, what, 2011? So a decade of doing the same exact thing, getting to the playoffs, but always never really having a chance. It doesn't make any sense. If you're not going to pull the trigger now, when are you going to pull the trigger? Are you going to wait until Jordan Love takes over for Aaron Rodgers? Because right now, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, the team used our first-round pick to draft what I would think of as my replacement. Because there's there's sure no way they wasted a number-one pick on a backup. So he's my replacement. I know that I want to ball out to show them they were wrong for thinking they should they need to replace me this early in my career and now i really want to do well but the problem with that is i don't have the impact players at wide receiver position that i have had over the past like jordy nelson who was a safety valve or even greg jennings who was pretty good for the few years he played with well, I guess I don't know if you can say he's pretty good. His stats kind of struggled, but I think that's because Greg Jennings in general was forced out by Green Bay. But what I'm saying is he had some targets, and I think right now is the weakest target group he's ever had, where he has one bona fide star wide receiver and a tight end that he likes, and that's about it. I think it's nuts. Oh, and did I mention that Aaron Jones did not play in this game? Not sure what was going on. He might have had an injury. But he did not play in this game against Minnesota. So interesting stuff. I think it was a mistake for Green Bay not to go out after another shiny wide receiver. Yeah, it's a lot of money. But, you know, you, you obviously don't have that many people you're paying on offense anyways. So maybe you want to keep your running back together and you want to keep Devontae and you're not going to pay Aaron Rodgers again. You kind of want to leave that extra money for getting a wide receiver later. But it just doesn't make any sense. I don't think they have any tangible way to go after a championship this way considering that their be their best looking wins have come across weak teams let's look at their at their uh wins this season so far they started off this season with a win against minnesota in minnesota they they beat them by nine points cool you beat minnesota who would later go on to be kind of a weak win they played Detroit, and they beat Detroit by 20 points. Okay, that's cool, but that's kind of a weak win. They beat the Saints. So there you go. There's there's one strong win. Then they played Atlanta and absolutely embarrassed them. So there's another weak win. And then they just got destroyed by a good Tampa Bay team. And then they were able to beat Houston, who fired their coach and is having struggle figuring out what kind of offense is really going to work for them. I don't know. You basically got one quality win. And you've got a lot of not-quality wins against teams that are struggling, fired their coach, having a hard time moving the ball. And then you've got a couple really bad... Well, you got one bad loss to Minnesota you shouldn't have, and you had a really embarrassing loss to Tampa Bay where it wasn't really competitive. I think, you know, if you look at this, look at the games they're going into. They're playing in San Francisco, then they get an easy game against Jacksonville, but then they got to play Indianapolis, Chicago... We're going to skip the game that they're playing against Philly for my point's sake. And then you got to play Tennessee at the end of the season in Chicago again. Th those are hard games, and you might lose those games if you don't have 
if you don't have good enough offensive talent. And I think what people don't understand is how much that fact is being hidden because Aaron Rodgers is good enough to make it seem like they do have offensive talent. I think you put any other quarterback, you put like a Case Keenum, someone completely average, into this offense, and they would lose so many games. It would be nuts how many games they would lose just from changing one quarterback around. He's really hiding how bad that team really is. And good luck, because he's, he's in for a long season. All right, we've spent 30 minutes on two topics, so we're going to rock it through these last three. It's a good thing I don't really have too much planned for them. So um, We're going to talk about the Bills. They barely escaped from the pitiful pa- Patriots. I was going to have another segment on the Patriots, but I don't want to do that again. I just feel like I'm talking about them too much. And I really want to talk about the Bills, because I think the Bills are the best faker we have left in the top of the, top of the division teams besides the NFC least. I'm not talking about the garbage division. The the Bills the Bills just when I watch them, they're a team that on paper I think should be doing much better than they are. They have the wins, but their wins don't inspire confidence within me. This win against the Patriots probably should have been a loss. The Patriots had the ball commanding the, the rest of the game and they got a lucky fumble. If they don't get that fumble, they probably lose this game. They drop to 5-3, and three, and now the whole division is up for grabs again because the surging Dolphins are actually pretty good. And when you go into some of their other games, they absolutely should have lost the game against the Rams. That was a phantom penalty that I'm still angry that the NFL, that, that an actual NFL referee called that penalty. There was virtually no contact. And it just makes me, like, question them. I don't, they don't inspire confidence to me. Yeah, they beat, I think the the is this the Jets? Yeah, yeah. They beat the Jets in week one. Whoop-de-doo. The everyone beats the Jets. And then in week two, they win against Miami, but only by three points. And yes, Miami did need to kick an onside kick towards the end of that game, or right at the end of that game to try to come back, but still three point win over Miami. Not necessarily the quality win you would think. And this was a Miami team that was very much struggling to start the season. They're not so much the team they are now that they're starting to emerge. They're starting to blossom right now, and I think they're going to be a pretty good team once Tua gets the hang of this offense. And then they played uh, then played the Rams, which they should have lost, but they won by three points very luckily. Then they played the Las Vegas Raiders, which this game they kind of had, but the Raiders came back to make the score look closer than it was. Then they lose to Tennessee in a game that wasn't even close. They really got just destroyed by a good team. Finally, they played one, and they got destroyed by them. Should have lost again to L.A., so it should have already been two losses on the season. Then they play KC and absolutely get embarrassed at home, like they don't know how to play in inclement weather. Okay, that should be three losses right now. Then they beat the Jets again. Big whoop, but you can't score a touchdown in the entire game. Are you serious? What's going on with that offense? And then they barely went against New England, which should have been a loss. They should have four losses on the season. What does that put them at? Four and four? That's not a very good record. And I really think they are the biggest joker in this whole mix. They're going to be playing Seattle, and I don't think the Bills have a chance to beat Seattle. And Seattle doesn't really even have that good of a defense this year. Seattle's defense is very pedestrian, and you score a lot of points on that defense. But that offense is too potent. I really just think they're going to overpower the Bills. And I don't think the Bills are going to be able to force turnovers enough. And then they go in to play Arizona, which is a really tough game. Who who knows how that's going to turn out? They play, they play the Chargers, so they'll probably win in a comeback. Watch for them to get down by like twenty and then come back. Then they're playing San Francisco. Who knows if they're really going to have the strength to beat them? Then Pittsburgh is absolutely going to destroy this team if they're going to keep playing the way they are. And then they play again uh, against New England at the end of the year, except it's in New England. And I think New England will actually win the game in New England if they play the way they did against New England on Sunday because they didn't play all that well. They gave New England a lot of chances, and New England's defense was able to shut them down. And we haven't seen New England's defense do that to anybody this season since maybe they played Miami. So it just goes to show I don't believe in the Buffalo Bills at all. They don't inspire any confidence in me. I really just feel like most of their wins, they get luckier rather than they win based on their skill. And towards the end of the game, I don't know how they how they are in crunch time. They might be better on defense than offense. It, it's hard for me to say because I, I do want to like the Bills, but the way they're playing is not it's not sustainable. They're going to come across a good team that's going to capitalize on these mistakes that they keep making, and they're going to get destroyed. And if that good team is Pittsburgh, then it's Pittsburgh. 
that good team is Arizona, it's Arizona. If it's, if it's this week with Seattle, it's Seattle. But they're really going to get destroyed if they keep playing like this. They're, they're not really playing all that well. And it's just hard for me to, to root for them. They should have beat the Patriots. This should have happened. They should have had this W. But the way in which they beat them was so opposite to how a win should make you feel about your team. I really felt... I felt like this as well as a couple other games this week, was one of the few times you have a win that feels like a loss. Because this was a game where you needed to make a statement, where are the top of this division? And you didn't. New England was as good, if not better, than the Bills on Sunday. They barely got the win, and they were celebrating it like it was some sort of godsend. You guys had this game. The offense was playing horrible. You guys have a good defense, and you couldn't shut them down. They came back in the game, and they kept coming back, and they nearly won, and you guys were celebrating. It's just unbelievable that you celebrate mediocrity. Your team played mediocre against the Patriots, and you're acting like it's the best thing in, in 20 years because it probably is for the Bills. Let's, you know, let's show some respect for a franchise that doesn't have much to show. All right, we're moving on from them. Saints escaped the fist fight with Chicago. A little fun wordplay as their Chicago receiver Denzel Wims or something. I'm not, I probably got his name wrong. Wims is his last name. Legit just sucker punched uh, this defender who I can't remember because his name is too long. Twice. It was very funny. He got a two-game suspension, as he should have. And he's trying to say that the defensive back for the Saints spit on him. I didn't see it. I think he's going to have two games suspension for sure. I think he deserves it. He punched him twice, two games. There you go. Game game per punch. And it was kind of funny. The defensive back got punched, and he kind of looked, and he was like, what's going on? Like, what's happening? And they got punched again. He was like, dude. And then there's a whole scrum. Very funny. Very funny to watch. Not a funny act. I know we're not supposed to be promoting people punching other people, but it was just funny, the reaction of the defensive back. But the Saints were lucky to hold on to that game. It was close. It was close at the end. They really dominated the second half. I thought that it was unfortunate to see them sort of lose their lead at the end because they had dominated for so long in that game. Pretty much like the last two minutes of the second quarter into like mid-fourth quarter. They were playing so good, and they just kind of dropped the ball. Let the let the offense of the Bears come back into it. And then in, in overtime, it was kind of rough. They had to punt, and then the Bears do absolutely zero on their time with the ball. They get one first down, I think, then they have to punt. And then after that, it, New Orleans got a couple chunk plays, and they put this game to rest. But I don't know. I thought New Orleans was the better team coming into this game, and I thought they I thought they had their chances to win in regulation and didn't. This game will be interesting because it does have playoff ramifications. Like I said, the Bears, if they won, they would take sole possession of first place in the NFC North, but they did not. So they are now second place again, vying for that wild card spot. Very, very, they're lusting after it at this point because they keep losing when they need to win. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And then the Saints, on the other hand, they had briefly taken control of the NFC South. But then the Bucks played on Monday night. The Bucks escape with a win. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And now they're back down to second place. Very interesting matchup next week. I'll get more into it once I talk about the Bucks. We're going to move on for right now. There wasn't too much to say other than defenses of both sides played pretty good. Uh, the, offenses, the offenses made plays sparingly. It was kind of like, I'll make a play. Oh, you will? Well, okay then. And then one offense... I don't know where I'm going with this analogy. It was very much like making a big play, but then no one could build off of that and really keep momentum. Even when the Saints dominated the third quarter, they were only able to muster out six points on two field goals. It was really one of those games where it was hard to keep momentum, and there was no real reason why. It was just momentum was fleeting, and neither team could hold on to it for very long. So, uh, yeah, we're going to move on. The Bears are now second place. Saints are still second place. We're going to move on to our next game, which is the Bucks. They barely escaped with the W in New York. This one was a thrilling game, actually. Nobody thought this was going to be a thrilling game. I think we thought this one was going to be just as much of a snoozer as 
the Eagles versus the Cowboys, but it actually was not quite as boring. It was pretty competitive. Daniel Jones played a really good game. The defense of the Buccaneers decided not to show up, which made it close. This defense, I saw them completely destroy Aaron Rodgers, one of the better quarterbacks when it comes to just a veteran presence, being able to handle a blitz, being able to find open receivers, checking it down when it's smart. You just They were able to absolutely make him look silly. Just make him look silly. And then they come in against Daniel Jones, and I guarantee this was a look-ahead game to the game against the Saints, and they come in, they're playing Daniel Jones, and Daniel Jones is beating them on 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 throws that are just like quick slants. They're not even that like great of routes or anything. I was saying it the whole game long. If they're not running if they're not running a trick play, it's very much like a very normal, predictable offensive scheme. They're just doing easy throws for their quarterback that gets you some guaranteed yardage, like checking down to the running back in the flat off a play action play the play action brings them in and then the running back slips out and you throw it to him and then he can get you know five yards who makes someone miss he can get 10 15 they're throwing quick slants they were taking a few shot plays down the field and to their credit those shot plays were open daniel jones just couldn't hit them because he's not very accurate and it's just the defense of the bucks didn't show up and the offense didn't really show up either luckily they showed up more in the second half but man for most of that game it was really looking like new york might pull off an upset they, they did not play well at all, and that's Tom Brady included. Tom Brady was missing open reads. He was missing his receivers by multiple yards when they had huge, huge 10-yard cushions against their, against their defender. Really, the only person he seemed to be in rhythm with was Rob Gronkowski, and even then, he didn't target uh, Gronk all that much throughout the game. But they were able to come out with the win, Daniel Jones throws two picks, which ended up losing the game for New York as they were nearly tying the game on a controversial do-they-call-it-do-they-not kind of P.I. call on the two-point try. It was a late throw. That's all I have to say about it. I don't mind them not calling the penalty because it was such a bad late throw. You knew who was supposed to get the ball as soon as the play started. And you could see that the defender, they were in man coverage, the defender that's covering the running back coming out of the backfield is nowhere near the back. And the pass does not come out until the defender has a chance to catch up to the running back. And he probably hits him maybe less than a half second, a half second early. I mean, it was nuts. And so the refs throw a flag and then they come together and nobody has a definitive answer whether it's PI. So they pick it up. They say no flag. I'm actually glad they picked it up. I, I I don't want them to call a penalty that's going to alter the game, like giving another team another chance at a two-point try, if they're not sure about it. And so I'm, I'm glad. If they really weren't sure, I'm glad they didn't call the penalty just because they thought something ought to have happened for them not to have completed that. And honestly, it's all on Daniel Jones's back. Yeah, you didn't get the penalty. Sucks. He did kind of get there early, so maybe there should have been a penalty. But you can't rely on the referees bailing you out, Danny. It's just that's, you can't do that. You can't rely on them doing it because what if they do what they did on on Monday night? What if they pick up the penalty? It's just it, it's an inexperienced quarterback not realizing where the ball needs to be going. I mean, that play they had, they had for sure. They beat the defense. The defense even called a timeout before this, and they still weren't even in a good look. And they were able to beat them. He was open for five yards as he was kind of getting out to a spot where Daniel Jones could have put the pass preemptively. And if that pass comes out sooner, there's nothing that any defender can do because no one's close enough. And Dion Lewis is not a slow back. He's pretty fast and shifty. And this throw comes out not only late, but also inaccurate. It doesn't go to where the running back is. It kind of goes to his, to, to more towards the middle of the field. And he was running out to the right on a, on a flat route right at the goal line and so when it hits it hits the defender almost on his it hits hits kind of like on his mid arm where the elbow is and it's just if the defender is coming from the middle and it's hitting him on his shoulder slash elbow you threw the pass really bad there's no chance that he's coming across the field and you hit him on his on his arm that's not even close to the running back it wasn't a good throw I'm kind of glad they lost just because Danny Jones didn't really play all that good. He really, if he just 
played a little bit better. Not throwing the interceptions, taking sacks instead. Throwing away the ball instead of trying to force it. Uh, getting the passes out sooner to, to people who are wide open. That's what he needed to do, and he just didn't do it. So, in a way, I think this is a good learning experience. I think this loss is going to make him better because there's a lot that he could improve on. Tom Brady had a really bad game, too. So, he must be kicking himself because they know that the Bucks had a really bad game. They didn't really come out and play well. They definitely were looking ahead, and they lost their chance on, on trying to surprise, take a, take a victory from Tampa. So, sucks there. Important matchup with the Saints and Bucks. That will be really fun. They keep doing this, oh, Tom Brady has the lead for touchdown passes in a career. Oh, Drew Brees has it. Tom Brady has it. Drew Brees has it. Because they're both really close. They're at 660 or something, 660, and 661 for Brady and 660 for Brees. They're super close. And they keep making a big deal out of it. And I don't really understand why. Because it's like, who cares? Make a big deal at the end of the season when there's not a game literally next week. Because they're so close that it's fun to watch, but it literally means nothing. And I'm I don't know. It kind of it kind of makes me bored when when that's what people have to talk about. Like, yeah, don't talk about how the Saints played really gritty in Chicago to come out with a win in Soldier Field as the as the first overtime period came to a close. Talk about Drew Brees and how he threw two touchdowns and took the lead back. And then Brady comes out and plays a very similar sloppy game. Except uh, the Giants didn't play very sloppy. They played really well, especially the defense. And the best thing about the the Giants that they did, the best thing, was that their red zone offense was so much better. I was surprised that it got better against a defense like the Bucks have, but it was so much better. And I commend them for that. You are fixing one of your biggest issues, which is when you get in the red zone, you have to score touchdowns, not field goals. And they did that for the most part. I think three out of four times they scored a touchdown when in the red zone. Or actually, no, they didn't get there three times. They scored a touchdown twice when in the red zone, and one time they kicked a field goal. So that's two-thirds. Pretty good. It's a lot better than where you were. You were at a third. Now you're at two-thirds. Uh, all right, to finish up the show, just really quickly, I think this year is going to be really fun, especially when we get to the playoffs, because I think we've got, we've got something shaping up that I'd be really into. The playoff picture at the moment, I'm not sure if it involves either of these teams. But let me just say that I would be super stoked for both wild cards to be. Sorry, I totally lost my train of thought. I would be really stoked for both wild cards to be the Raiders, the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. I almost said Oakland. I had to stop myself. The Raiders and the Dolphins. That would be really wild. I don't know if that's going to happen since we do have the loser of the NFC North likely getting the other uh, one of the wild card spots and probably the loser of the AFC South getting the other wild wild card spot but those would be really cool cuz i feel like those teams are truly wild it's almost like you never really know what's going to happen but if you don't if you're not paying attention to that team if you're not playing them in earnest they're really going to surprise you the raiders they beat up on the Browns this week in a crazy game where the wind mattered more than any of the stars. And the Dolphins destroyed the Rams in what was, I think, one of the biggest surprises because this game was never really that close. And they just absolutely destroyed the Rams after the Rams had started off with a touchdown drive. Jared Goff played horrible with two picks. Tua Tagovailoa got his first NFL touchdown, but he only threw for 93 yards. He really wasn't super effective. Mainly, this was a game for Tua to come in, and the defense completely won the game for him, which was nice. He didn't really have to do too much. He didn't have to come make a comeback. He didn't have to lead a drive with two minutes with everything on the line. It was kind of a nice first game for him. It's going to get a lot harder in the, in the weeks ahead, but that was a nice game to sort of get him in the offense, be like, hey, you got your first win as a starter. You know, you can calm down, start start learning the offense, making better reads. And I think next week, the game against the Dolphins and the Cardinals are going to be really, really fun to watch because you got Kyler Murray and Tua Tagovailoa going off against each other, which I think would be awesome. I think, yeah, the Cardinals have a better receiving core, but Tua has a better defense, so we'll see how that goes. And then, man, the Raiders. The Raiders are a surprise team. To me, I know they're 4-3, and three, so 
nothing is guaranteed or anything, but I think they're really going to be a strong team in the next couple of years. This year, probably not. But next year, when they can go through another draft, maybe get another impact offensive player for cheap, maybe even get some better defenders, this team could really uh, give some teams a run for their money. And I think you'd be a fool to underestimate the the Las Vegas Raiders. They don't play well every week, and they don't win every week, but they're a good team that you really have to play well. You have to not underestimate this team, or else they'll come out and beat you, and they've shown that they'll do that multiple times to good teams. Like, they beat the, the Browns, and I think the Browns are legitimately a good team that just needs to get out of their own way and can't do that so far. And I think another team they beat were the Chiefs, and the Chiefs were totally unwilling... I think not even ready to accept that the Raiders could beat them or otherwise the Chiefs would not have played as poorly as they did against the Raiders because the Raiders really did surprise them and they beat them and it wasn't even like oh they beat them because they were lucky they got a pass interference or they were lucky that they picked off a crazy pass towards the end of the game no they beat them soundly this game was over with like five minutes left in the game I guess it wasn't over-over because you know how the Chiefs' offense scores, but it ended up being a safe lead. So it's just nuts to think about. They've beaten some really good quality teams, and I don't think you can underestimate them. They're they're a good team, but what you have to do is you have to play them, play them in earnest, play them hard, and it's not a game you can overlook. It's not like playing the Jets. It's You've got to face it as, okay, we're playing a really quality, tough team. And I think a lot of people are going into Dolphins and Raiders games not realizing that you need to play these teams in earnest. They're a team that can stand up for themselves. They're a team that fights. They're gritty. These guys on these teams know they're on underdogs, so they're constantly fighting for yardage. They're constantly trying to get into the end zone. They're constantly looking for ways to win. And they've got good coaches. I think Brian Flores is the best coach to come out of New England uh, underneath the Belichick era. And uh, Gruden, in his own right, is a good coach too. We'll see I think his style is really, really good for the first three years and then kind of teeters off. So we'll see what he does in the last seven years of his contract. But so far, it looks like he's really got this team playing on a mission. So I'm really in on those teams. I hope they can make one of them can make a wild card. That would be super, super fun. And I think, you know, the Miami Dolphins are not that far away from being able to beat a team like the Buffalo Bills. So if the Bills somehow shut down, and just have a really horrible second half of the season, you might even see a sleeper team like the Dolphins win that division I mean we know it's not the Jets and the Patriots are almost mathematically eliminated from winning this division so I think the Dolphins would be a fun team to watch going forward so let's hope I don't make a complete fool of myself and that those teams actually do play well and I think this is going to end this next installment of the Desda Sports Podcast thank you everybody for listening I had always a good time recording these but I had a good time coming back I really like this new format of covering a few games and being able to do a deeper look like I do with the Packers or like I did with the Patriots last week. I really enjoy doing that. So we're going to keep this we're going to keep this format going forward for my reviews. And eventually I'm going to be maybe this week, next week. I just need to find the time in my personal life and then I'll be able to get out some more previews and we'll start doing preview uh, review, preview review, preview review. So I'm looking in the second half of the season to get into to a, a good rhythm with the two podcast episodes a week, and we'll see how that goes. Thank you, everybody, and enjoy the Packers versus the 49ers on Thursday night. I will talk to you again. I probably won't be doing a preview this week, maybe a preview next week. So I'll talk to you likely in a week. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.